Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Wednesday, August 4th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editorial Director Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? Uh, we got a bunch of news to talk about today, but we're going to start things off uh, with a sad note that some someone has died. It is a prolific uh, historian, film writer, J.W. Rinsler. If you are a Star Wars fan, if you uh, read any movie books, then you know Jonathan Rinsler. He he wrote under the name J.W. Rinsler. He's the guy that made the the epic trilogy of books, the making of Star Wars, the making of Empire Strikes Back, and the making of Return of the Jedi, which are like the best. Uh, I wouldn't even say best Star Wars books. I'd say the best books on making movies ever written. Uh, he, you know, since then he's gone on to d- write the complete making of the Indiana Jones series, uh, the making of Alien, and the I think he did one other. Uh, the making of The Shining is coming out. Um, I haven't read Alien or Shining, but I've read Indiana Jones and Star Wars. Ben, have you have you had any? Uh, have you read any of the books? Of I have not. No? Um, I know. I mean, I've I've heard him spoken of in. Uh, in such reverent tones because of like you're saying, like, it seems like it's just a, a widely understood thing that like his, um, his texts are like the definitive uh, stories that, that sort of gather all of the relevant behind the scenes stories that you could ever want to know about all of these major movies that we love. Yeah. He, he died after he died in his home in Northern California after 11 month long battle with pancreatic cancer. He was only 58 years old, which is uh, sad. But he he was like one of those guys that worked at Lucasfilm and George Lucas was like – it just gave him access to everything. And those making of Star Wars books are so good because so much of what we get for behind-the-scenes books are – especially the stuff that is you know, paid for by the, the studios or filmmakers is you know, the – <laughs> the 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 glossy version of events and the good thing about him is in in George Lucas is the you know the it was kind of the <laughs> it, 
the bad and the good. It, it told you the, at least from what I can gather, the honest truth of how things happened. I'm, I'm sure maybe there's some stuff that's not in there, but um, if you've never checked out his books, I would highly recommend checking out um, at least the making of the Star Wars books. They're available in hardcover from Amazon or on like your Kindle or whatever. Uh, I would read it on something that is color though, because there's a lot of photos in a lot of, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those rare, I, I feel like the making of books, there's a lot of making up books that I will, I'll flip through and I just look at the photos, but this is one of those that the, the text is just as compelling as, as the photos. And uh, yeah, it, it's sad that we have lost uh, JW Rinsler and actually a minor, a minor, uh, uh, like what, piece what, of trivia yeah piece of trivia what, what do you call that when you have an asterisk and then the thing is on the bottom of the page oh like a footnote footnote yeah minor footnote uh the uh, the the supporting villain in tron legacy was named after him so if you remember in that movie all the people were chanting rinsler rinsler actually uh at comic-con i remember they recorded that they recorded the hall h comic-con chanting that huh. so, yeah, interesting that was, yeah anyways okay uh let's move on to that to another end of an era uh let's talk about the cohen brothers and how uh, if you're expecting more movies from this duo you might uh well we have some news for you yeah, I'm not sure, Peter. I'm not sure if this is like the full end of an era or more of like a a pause uh, of an era, maybe like a Soderberghian kind of uh, kind of pause here. But um, Joel Cohen, uh, one half of the the Cohen brothers, is directing a movie that is coming out later this year called The Tragedy of Macbeth. And his brother Ethan, who has been making movies with him and, and directing movies with him specifically for uh, what decades now since the 80s, um, is not involved in that movie. He is he has sat out the film entirely. And uh, Carter Burwell, who is a composer who has worked with these guys for a long, long time, uh, he did the scores for True Grit and uh, you know a, a bunch of other Coen Brothers movies, was on a recent podcast episode of uh, something called The Score Podcast. And he said, uh, Ethan has written and produced on his own, I know, but this is the first time that Joel is directing on his own. Ethan just didn't want to make movies anymore. Ethan seems very happy doing what he's doing. I'm not sure what Joel will do after this blah, blah, blah. Like essentially they have a lot of scripts that they've written that have never been made. So Carter Burwell is like hopeful that maybe they'll, they'll sort of get things, uh, get, get one of those projects eventually made together. Um, but that quote, uh, Ethan just didn't want to make movies anymore has been the one that is making a lot of headlines right now, because it's this like, you know, the, uh, the unofficial announcing of the, the end of the Coen brothers. Is this like really, you know, how it's going <laughs> to, how it's going to come out that uh, Ethan Cohen is just done making movies forever. Um, I'm not sure if I'm willing to go that far based on, you know, this sort of like third hand account here, but uh, Carter Burwell is like a, a very close collaborator with these guys. So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that he's like making this up or mischaracterizing what's going on or anything. I just don't know. Um, you know, he, he says at one point, it's a wonderfully unpredictable business. That was a, a quote from Burwell. And I feel like that same quote can, can just as easily apply to, uh, you know, what might happen with uh, the future of Ethan Cohen's career. So um, <laughs> it's possible that he'll come back. It's possible that he is done forever. Um, in 2019, uh, Ethan Cohen was working on developing a stage play. And he himself said some comment that he was going to be like, quote, giving movies a rest. Uh, so I, I don't know, 
a rest does not seem to me like a full on retirement. That just seems like more of a pause than uh, an end of the line kind of thing. But, um, you know, we'll see. At at the very least, I think a lot of uh, cinephiles and and uh, audiences who care about the Coen brothers are going to be very curious to see what the tragedy of Macbeth looks like, you know, without Ethan's involvement. Um, but yeah, there we are. Yeah. I want to know more. I want to know why I want to know, uh, Ben, what, what is your favorite Coen brothers movie? Oh man, that is a great question. Um, <laughs> I mean, God, do you have an answer like yeah. locked and loaded? Okay. What, what is yeah, your answer? I think I like Fargo. I, I've like, it, it used to not be my favorite Coen brothers movie, but then I got into the Fargo TV series and I feel like that made me appreciate it on a, a whole new level. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just love the characters. I love the, the, <laughs> the dramatic tension. I don't know. It's so good. There are a couple that I have still not seen. I have still not seen a serious man. Um, I have not seen the Hudsucker <sighs> proxy. A serious um, man is so good. Yeah. And I, I think, I don't think I've seen Barton Fink either. I think that one's still on my list. So I, my answer here is is incomplete, but um, <laughs> I have a soft spot for True Grit. I liked the original movie, but I thought they did a great job with that. That's not, that's probably not my favorite though. I think my favorite one, man, this is a, this is a tough question. I'm not, I should really have thought about this before. I, I, don't I, think I should I've have prepared you. This. I didn't, it just came up in my head while we were doing this. <laughs> it might be a tie, Peter, between uh, Inside Lewin Davis and No Country for Old Men. Oh. Um, yeah, those I, are good. Th- both of are both of them are sort of like later period Cohen movies, I would say. But um, those are the ones that really have stuck with me in a way that some of the other ones have not. Although, like Raising Arizona is brilliant, so I, I don't know. I, li- I like a lot of their work. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think my favorite Ethan Cohen story is not even about Ethan Cohen. It's a it's that uh, Bill Murray signed on to voice Garfield oh, yes. Garfield's because he heard uh, it was being directed by, I think someone named Ethan Cohen, but not this Ethan Cohen. Yeah. It might, it might be like Ethan Cohen or something. Or There's yeah. like no H in the front, in the first name. And he, he got confused thinking it was this, the one of the Cohen brothers. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that to me is hilarious because you know, Bill Murray not doing the research, but uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Let's move on. Let's talk about some Disney news. Uh, yesterday they announced that uh, they a replacement for the annual passes here in California at Disneyland. It's a system called the magic key. And the most shocking thing about that is that it's not very different than what it was before. A lot of people were expecting a whole, uh, that they were going to completely overhaul the program because the, the annual pass holders is, is kind of looked down upon as a, a problem here at Disneyland because they spend less money than the tourists and, and it's always busy and stuff like that. Um, so, but, so before we get into like what the actual changes were, Peter, what yeah. were some of the changes that you thought might happen? Like you were saying that, you know, people thought that it would be revamped. What, what do what do you think were some of the like prominent theories about like what was anticipated that was going to change. Well, it was interesting. So they sunsetted the program. The program was was gone until, you know, it's coming back now uh, under a different name. It's not an annual pass holder. It's called the Magic Key. And what was said in press by Bob Chapek, there was a lot of terms of like loyalty program or, you know, loyalty program for super fan. Like there was wording that made it sound like it was like, you know, that Starbucks card that you use and you get like every <laughs> couple coffees, get a free coffee kind of thing. Mm. That's what it sounded like to me. And I think that's what a lot of people are anticipating is like, oh, if you 
you know, buy five tickets, you'll get one free or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the end, it it, tend, it it seems to be like almost the same thing as it was before where uh, di- there's different levels, different costs. Um, the costs are actually cheaper than the, what, what they were, but they are more restrictive in that you have to make reservations now. So you have a certain amount of slots to make reservations and I'm, uh, we, we have yet to see how hard it's going to be to make reservations. So I'm guessing it's not going to be as easy and spontaneous as it was in the past. Um, but I'm, I'm as, as someone who loves Disneyland, going to Disneyland, I have a YouTube channel about theme parks. Uh, I, I'm happy about this. It, it does seem like it might be the thing where I'm going to have to plan a visit months in advance, though. So that's kind of sad, but mm. yeah. Um, but anyways, I wasn't even going to talk about this, but I, I, I wanted to bring that up because there was also some Disney news today. Uh, they announced uh, the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. This is the Star Wars hotel that was planned alongside Galaxy's Edge in Florida. It's going to be opening up in 2022. Uh, and they have finally announced the prices. Ben, have you seen the prices? Um, is it something like four thousand dollars? Is that right? Okay, so you have seen the prices. <laughs> okay, so this is a, a two-day, two-night immersive experience. It's almost like it's supposed to be set up like a cruise. Like you go on board, and it's an all-inclusive experience where your food is paid for, uh, everything except for alcoholic beverages, and it, it's set up like a cruise where you're dining in the dining hall there's going to be like it's it's going to be like a westworld like interactive experience of larping where you know someone on board might ask you to like smuggle something on board because you have a score a shore excursion to batu which is the galaxy's edge uh it might ask you to smuggle something on to help them to do something so it's like all this like storytelling and involvement and the hotel rooms are look like space cabins they're really small like a cruise ship and yeah so they announced the pricing for this and i think it's a lot more money than everybody was expecting it to be uh so they only gave one sample the sample is for a booking on a weeknights in late august or to early september so that's not like the most expensive. I'm sure like, you know, if you wanted to book during summer and it's on a weekend, mm-hmm. it's probably mm-hmm. going to be more expensive than this. And the pricing is $1,209 per guest per night. So if you have two guests in a cabin, that is $4,809. Wow. Okay. So like, I mean, uh, are kids, do kids count as guests? They do. So they have some other pricing here. So if you had four guests per cabin, that's three adults and one child. I don't know why they say three adults and one yeah, child. What a Wouldn't weird it be? Uh, layout there. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe a child counts as, I don't know what the age range. Maybe, maybe like that a teenager yeah. and like a younger kid or something. Yeah, that's a weird sample to give. Why wouldn't you say two adults or two adults and two children? But yeah. uh, that's seven forty nine per guest per night. So that's $6,000 for the. Good God. <laughs> this is for two nights, Peter? Two nights, two days, and some of that experience, you're actually going to Hollywood Studios to experience like a that's shore excursion to Galaxy's Edge. So you're not even spending the whole two days there. 
is is this too much, Ben? What do you mean? Is it too much? I mean, can you can you justify that, Peter? Like, not for yourself personally, I mean, but like, can you justify Disney charging that much? I don't know. I really don't know. It it it, it is a small hotel. There's only a, a hundred hotel rooms. And I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of actors filling up this hotel and there's going to be a moment where the first order comes on board and there's this big lightsaber fight. Like it's going to be a epic role-playing experience. But is it – yeah, this is a lot of money, Ben. That's a lot of money. The the problem though is that uh, people will pay it. Like you know, (laughs) they can charge whatever they want and people will pay it. Um, it just seems like a shame because, uh, that seems like, you know, a cool thing that like, uh, an average American family would like to experience yeah. with their children. But like the pricing on that is just so prohibitively expensive. I, I cannot imagine. It, um, it is ridiculous too, because if you think of like a, a cruise, like a Disney cruise, Disney cruises are so much more than like, you know, other cruises and a Disney cruise for seven nights is less expensive than this two nights for two people. Wow. I wonder, do you think that this is, um, that this is something that they might course correct on like over time, (laughs) like they'll, you know, right out of the gate, they know that people will pay it because it's new and like everybody's obsessed with Disney and star Wars. So like people will just pay whatever and say, screw it. I don't care. I'm just going to pay anything. And then like, you know, let's call it a year afterwards, the maybe some of the hype will have died down or something. Do you think that they'll actually like drastically drop these prices to make it more affordable for more people? Or, or do you think they'll just like hold, know. like dig their heels in and hold their ground? The thing is they only have those hundred rooms. So is with the su- supply and demand, if the demand is higher than the supply, then I don't think they are going to course correct. But I also wonder how many people can afford this because I don't think that this is going to be, people just booking this. I think if you're going to Florida on a Walt Disney world vacation, you're going to book this and then also a few days at the parks. Yeah. So I can't even imagine. Wow. I mean, Um, I'm I'm not the, like the right person to ask about this because we have a YouTube channel and we have to go there and cover it. And it's, it's going to happen one way or another. Like I, 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 and I'm also the biggest star Wars fanatic. I I need to do this, but I don't know. I, I just can't imagine many people can afford this. Yeah. But, um, do, so when is this opening? Do you know? Uh, I think it's like spring 2022. I don't have the dates in front of me okay. at the moment. Yeah. I but, was wondering if the if the pandemic was going to be a factor in the uh, the interactivity, you know, like that whole um, – because I, I don't <laughs> think Disney has said, you know, all guests have to be vaccinated or anything, right? No, they haven't given any information on that. But, yeah, so I just I wonder like if the pandemic. Let's just say like we're in the exact same position that we are, you know, culturally, whatever, uh, medically, as as we are right now uh, in spring twenty twenty two. I wonder if they're gonna um, scale back some of their plans for that interactivity, or if that's something that they're just gonna be like, all right, we're we're just going for this and sort of roll the dice here. But I don't think you can do this without that interactivity because like there's po- points where you like go on to the bridge of the ship and they teach you how to fly the ship just in case anything mm-hmm. wrong mm-hmm. happens, which I'm sure something will happen. <laughs> and, you know, there's the, the dinner show. Every night there's like a dinner show with like alien singing and stuff. like You know, it, it's like a very elaborate thing. There's lightsaber training. There's a sabacc tournament. I don't know. It's, it's a 
the, the funny thing is in, in the wording on the Disney site that they launched today, there's like, it can be as interactive as you want it to be. You can participate or you could just sit off to the side and watch others participate. And I'm like, if you're paying $5,000, I don't know. I, I guess I, I understand it because some moms and dads probably <laughs> they have no interest in the role playing. But I can't yeah, imagine- they're just daydreaming about all the thousands of dollars that are being, you know, zapped from their bank accounts to to afford this trip. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm so excited to do this, but at the same time, I this is insane. It's really insane. <laughs> but I don't know. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm interested to see if this is the the lowest you can get a price because it, it does list the price of like it's the last two weeks of August to the first two weeks to September. Mm-hmm. And that's when school goes back in session, right? So I'm guessing that's not going to be the lowest price you could get, but I'm also guessing that's not going to be the highest. Yeah, certainly it's, not. It's also a weekday. Like, I don't know. What do you, what do you think the high? And, and also this is for the standard cabin. They have like a bunch of different uh, bigger suites. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, I, I, my guess would be that it would be like easily $5,000 for a weekend. Um, if it's, if it's in the $4,000 range uh, for a weekday, I think they know that they can get away with, with charging that much more. Yeah. The craziness is I was going over the website and there was like, you know, what's included in your, your cabin. And it, there's like this TV on the wall and it was like TV for you to watch any of your earthly uh, programming that you want. I'm like, that's BS. Like they should have like a whole uh, selection of Star Wars uh, TV entertainment. That's just on. <laughs> I mean, like yeah, for, yeah. for that kind of price, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyways, okay. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about. Uh, you mentioned the pandemic, and you mentioned uh, movie theaters. We've been talking a lot about uh, what's going on with the the premium VOD. What is being shown only in theaters? Uh, Disney has had. Been, been playing around with this. There's been some controversy over, you know, this lawsuit with Scarlett Johansson. Uh, we know that some of the some of their stuff is going to go just exclusively in theaters. Uh, wh- what do we know? Yeah, so Free Guy, the new Ryan Reynolds comedy, and uh, Marvel's Eternals are going to be released exclusively in theaters with no streaming or VOD releases happening while the films are still playing on the big screen. So that that is the big news. Um, I think we kind of knew about Free Guy before because I, I want to say that there was a, a story about um, Shang-Chi and Free Guy getting a, like a 45-day theatrical exclusive window um, from earlier this summer. But I think this is the first confirmation we're hearing about the, the uh, release plan, uh, the strategy for Eternals, which um, is interesting because, uh, as you mentioned, this, this Scarlett Johansson thing is, is sort of casting a long shadow over the industry right now. And, and I think a lot of people are in like a sort of wait and see mode to, to um, yeah, like see what, how exactly that's going to shake out and, and how it's going to affect things. Um, I wonder if that hadn't have happened, if we would have gotten this news about uh, about Eternals. Maybe they might have done like the, uh, the sort of... Uh, what, what do you want to call it? Like the hybrid release, yeah. um, you know, with that movie, but there wasn't there strong. also, I was gonna say, wasn't there also a report somewhere that like Kevin Feige was upset over yes. them? releasing? Yeah. And I'm not Widow. sure. Like I haven't seen any official quotes on that. I think that's just been like a, uh, you know, a whisper on the wind kind of mm-hmm. thing. I'm not sure like what the sourcing is on that, but um, I think the Hollywood reporter mentioned it uh, as well, that like there were rumors that Kevin Feige was not happy about the way that um, Disney specifically responded to the Scarlett Johansson uh, um, 
a lawsuit. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> we we wrote a whole, whole article about this and basically just like asking if this was a smart move considering you know how the delta variant like what the what the uh, pandemic is doing right now and and um you know just like for example peter Flor- i'm living in florida right now and florida is like oh, a, yeah. an epicenter of the pandemic right now and and uh of course i've been vaccinated but like there are children in my life like i have very young nieces and nephews and i don't want to uh endanger anybody's safety so i'm i've made the decision that i'm not going to go back to the movies for a while like i I saw f9 in an imax theater and that's the only movie that i was able to see before things got bad enough here with the delta variant where you know i was like all psyched to go see green knight and like all these uh, movies i was like all right baby (sighs) movies are back like i'm i'm ready i'm like you know i've had uh more than a year of not going to the theater and now uh that has sort of been ripped away from me as well because of uh I mean, I guess it's, it's partly my, my decision to try to like keep my family safe, but, um, yeah, it just sucks, man. This whole situation is, uh, is very unfortunate to say the least. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not suggesting that like, uh, that I'm suffering because Marvel's Eternals is only going to be <laughs> released exclusively <laughs> in theaters, but, um, you know, it, it's, and, and I think frankly, like, I'm okay with uh, a 45 day window. If that is the really the new normal that it seems like Hollywood is sort of embracing, um, you know, that, that seems fine to me uh, considering that that seems like the kind of trade off that I'm, I'm willing to, uh, <laughs> to live with personally, but I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about any of this? I don't know. My anxiety is just going through the roof since this Delta variant stuff has kind of hit because I don't know, we, we kind of had like a month or two of summer. It kind of felt like things were getting back to normal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I, I just hope that we don't go into extreme lockdown again because I'm not sure if I can handle that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, it's tough. I, you know, I reactivated my AMCA list. Like, should I pause that again? I know, like, should I not go to the theater? Uh, my situation is much different than yours, uh, Ben. You know, I'm, I don't have any family local, and it's just. Uh, me and Ketra, so and we're both vaccinated, and we don't have any kids that we see on any basis. Um, but so yeah, I mean, still, I guess like I'm not an epidemiologist, but like as long as you're not interacting with uh, like unvaccinated people, then maybe you're good to go. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to like give people advice. Uh, read up yeah. about it from somebody who knows what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I feel. I don't know. I, I feel. I still feel fine going outdoors. But the indoor stuff kind of worries me. So I don't know. I, yeah. I, as the science, I feel like we're we're at the tip of what we're learning about this Delta variant. I don't feel like we've, you know, it, it feels like it, what it was in the beginning of like when, when COVID-19 kind of hit us mm-hmm. in March, like when we were all, you know, taking uh, sanitizing wipes and wiping our packages and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. I, I want to wait until there's like some full details before I uh, lock myself in my house. But it's scary. It's scary. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, LA has like a masks on inside, even if you're vaccinated policy now, right? Yeah. Is yeah, that yeah. is that not like that in Florida? Uh, I shouldn't uh, even ask that. Should I? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is like that in my house, but uh, but yeah, that's about it. <laughs> okay, uh, you know, let's get to our final story for today, uh, which is about HBO Max's Blue Beetle. There's been some casting for that. Ben, tell us about it. Yeah, so this guy named uh, Sholo Mariduena, who is in Cobra Kai. 
um, is in talks to star in the Blue Beetle movie for HBO Max. So this is a, a project that is being developed specifically for the streaming service. I think it is going to debut there and probably not be in theaters. It reminds me a little bit of what they're doing with Batgirl. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't really know anything about this actor. I've not seen him in anything. Um, but Peter, I know that you're a fan of uh, Cobra Kai. So maybe you have uh, yeah. a, he, an opinion. Yeah, he he's like one of the main guys in Cobra Kai. He plays this, uh, this team named Miguel. Um, and he's pretty good and, uh, it, it's cool to see, I don't know. It's cool to see him get cast in something, uh, bigger than, you know, streaming TV show. Um, but I don't really know much about Blue Beetle, so I don't really have too much of an opinion on this. I know some people are excited about this character, so. Yeah, so this character actually was was created back in 1939, so it's a very, very old, uh, character. It originated, um with Fox comics was later owned by Charlton comics and then eventually sort of made the jump over to DC comics. Um, but the version of the character that they're, t- you know, making this movie about is uh, a character named Jaime Reyes, who is a, I think a Mexican American, um, you know, a teenager basically. And it sounds a little bit of like, um, kind of like Shazam, like what DC did with Shazam, where he's sort of like a, a relatable, like everyman kind of kid uh, character. And in the comics, I think he just basically stumbles across this um, like magical blue beetle scarab on the way home from school one day, and then has this scarab attach itself to him and form a suit of armor around him that gives him superpowers. So that's like sort of the general uh, gist of, of his origin story there. Um, and yeah, I think this this character has only existed in the comics for, uh, or this this iteration of the character has only existed in the comics for like 15 or so years. Um, so uh, yeah. It sounds uh, a little bit similar to like Miles Morales uh, over at Marvel, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. kind of a mirror of that. Um, obviously, you know, <laughs> as studios are behind this, they want to make money. Uh, the MPAA in 2017 said the Hispanic Latino audiences are the highest per capita uh, attendance to the movies uh, at, with an average of 4.5 times a year. So it makes sense that. Uh, you know, Warner Brothers is going to be bringing a, a a superhero like this to the screen. And- yeah, it's cool, too, because um, like W or uh, yeah, Warner Brothers and, and HBO Max uh, really seems to be pushing that angle of it because uh, Leslie Grace was recently cast as uh, Batgirl and she is a, a Dominican-American actress. And then um, this woman named Sasha Cowley is playing Supergirl in the Flash movie. And Rachel Zegler is playing a, a mysterious role in the Shazam sequel. So there's a lot of um, Latino, Latina uh, actors and, and performers being, um, yeah, sort of like uh, recruited into the, the DC EU, I guess. Yeah, that's very cool. Okay, I think that does it for today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.